Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and with me is my co-host, Lillian, who you might hear cooing in this introduction a wee bit here and there. And this is episode 31. Now, as we get started, I really want you guys to think about the word motherhood. When you initially hear that word, what comes to mind? I know for me, as I did this exercise, I realized that I just think of my own experience. You know, I think of raising my daughter, Janie, and now here I go again with number two. And and that's just, you know, that's the lens that I see this through. Uh, but after this interview, speaking with Sydney, you know, I really realized, gosh, there are so many facets to motherhood. And Sydney has experienced motherhood on a whole bunch of different levels. And I am so grateful that she was willing to come on to the show and share the ways that she has experienced it. Now, I want to give you guys a little bit of backstory for this interview. So bear with me because it might sound a little convoluted at first, but I promise that there is a point to all of it. And so... When Sydney and I first began contacting each other, she sent me a message and said, hey, this is my story. I am a biological mom. I am raising my son with my husband, and I have acted as a surrogate. Is this something that you would be interested in having on the podcast? And my answer was a big ol' heck yes. That is incredible. How amazing to be able to share so many aspects of motherhood with with you guys. I just and with me. I was so excited to hear Sydney's story. So we said yes, we set up the interview. And then in the meantime, I had aired an episode. It's actually uh Megan's birth story, if you guys remember Megan's birth story, where I was pretty open with my faith and my walk with Christ and I knew that when I did that, it was possibly going to be something that offended and bothered people. And I really don't want that. I I am a people pleaser, but I also knew that it was something that I was called to say and was supposed to say. And so whenever I get that feeling, I know that I just have to do it. So that's kind of, just so you know, it's kind of where we're going. But anyway, so that all happened. And Sydney messaged me again later and said, Hey, I heard your most recent episode. You know, it was really great, but I the part about you being a Christian, I just wanted to ask, you know, is it still going to be okay for me to interview? That is not how I feel. And that's not my belief system. And so, you know, for me, of of course, like that's, I am not expecting everyone to agree with me. These are my opinions. This is the way that I see the world. So I'm happy to have other opinions on and And I do not expect us to agree on everything. And I know that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And maybe you're just here for the birth stories. And that is totally fine too. So we talked back and forth and decided, yes, let's continue on with the interview. It's going to be very respectful. We don't have to agree on everything to to get along and really get a lot out of one another. So Sydney and I had the interview and I had prayed about it a lot before, to be honest, because I was nervous. I knew that there was probably going to be some topics that were difficult for me that would come up and, and there were, and anyway, even with all of that, 
This interview was so beautiful, and it went through seamlessly, in my opinion. I hope Sydney agrees, and and I absolutely loved it. So all of that being said, this is where my big fat opinion comes in, and this is not Sydney's opinion, and I did want to make that very clear, and that's kind of why I did all of this build up, um, because Sydney and I talked about this very recently, and I wanted to make sure that she's comfortable with how this episode airs, but that also I am able to say my piece too and to tell people what's coming because you know that that's important to me. So what I am getting at is there are some intense portions of this interview and a very touchy subject, whether you're a Christian or not, that comes up is about abortion. And of course, you know, through the Christian perspective, through through my own conscience, I am I'm very pro-life. And so the idea of abortion can be really intense. So you might be thinking, well, why are you even saying all of this? But I feel like if I were listening to this podcast and an intense topics were about to come up, I would want to know beforehand. So this is me letting you know that that topic is going to arise and that there are some intense moments in this podcast that Sydney and I don't see the world exactly the same way, but that this conversation was incredibly respectful and incredibly loving. And I feel like I have a friend in Sydney and I hope she feels the same way. And this is something that we are both really happy to put out to the world. So this was just my disclaimer. I'm sorry if it was a long rambly thing. I'm sure it was, but I just wanted to get that out just so that I can have a clear conscience, that Sydney can have a clear conscience, that that everything is how we want it to be. So thank you guys for listening to that. Other than that, I would like to thank our reviewer of the week, and that is Collins Girl 5 and she says, beautiful and inspiring. This podcast is a breath of fresh air in the realm of birthing resources and prenatal care. Caitlin does a beautiful job hosting this show and offering inspiring stories and education for all things birth. I always come away enlightened and encouraged. Thank you so much, Collins Girl 5 And if you will email me at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I will be sending you a happy home birth sticker. If you guys will continue to rate and review the show, I am so appreciative. It means so much to me, as I always say. And of course, if you are selected, then you will get a sticker and you can show off your Happy Home Birth Podcast goods. So thank you guys for continuing to do that, for continuing with the screenshots when you're listening to the episode and uploading those to your Instagram stories, tagging Happy Home Birth Podcast. I will give you a shout out. I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Hatched at Home, midwife Carrie LaChapelle. She's a licensed home birth midwife offering home birth services in the upstate of South Carolina. She provides evidence-based prenatal care, mama-baby family-centered home birth care, including water birth, and mama-baby postpartum care from birth to six weeks and beyond. She also offers extras like beautiful Bangkok belly binding, I have that on right now, and she carries a wide variety of wish garden tinctures in her office. Carrie offers a free consultation to see if she's a good fit for your birth, so visit her at Hatched at Home's website, which is hatchedathome.com, or you can check her out on Facebook at Hatched Midwife Carrie LaChapelle, L-A-C-H-A-P-E-L-L-E, or get in touch with her directly at 864-907-6363. Thank you, Carrie, so much for sponsoring this episode. 
Now, as you guys know, uh, the opinions given by my guests do not necessarily reflect my own and mine do not necessarily reflect theirs, and neither of us are medical experts, so please continue to go see your doctor or if you're like me, you're a chiropractor. And other than that, I just want to thank you guys so much for the positive feedback that we received from my birth story last week. Thomas and I had a blast sharing that with you guys, and the feedback that we've gotten has been incredible. And so I'm going to be sure to get him on the show every once in a while because he loved it, and it seems like you guys really loved it too. And I think he should also start his own podcast, so we'll see if that happens. But other than that, let's hit the interview. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Sydney, thank you so much for coming on Happy Home Birth. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited. Well, I am so excited to have you uh, talking to you before this interview. You just are a wealth of experience. You've had so many different experiences. I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell the listeners about yourself. Yeah, um, my name is Sydney, and um, I live in Portland, Oregon with my husband, Zach, and our almost four-year-old son, Oliver. And um, I have kind of experienced every facet of motherhood um, that you can. I am a birth mother. um, So my first child I placed for adoption at birth. And then I'm parenting my son with my husband. And then I've also been a gestational carrier. So I was a, a surrogate for a couple in Spain last year. And that baby is almost one. Wow. That is so incredible. So I, if you don't mind, I would love to just start from the beginning. Just tell us everything. So what was your first pregnancy like? How did all of that go? How did you come to the decisions that you did? Would you, would you just start there? Yeah. So, um, I found out I was pregnant right after graduating from college And I was living in Portland at the time. That's where I went to school and uh, definitely wasn't planned. (laughs) Uh, And when I found out, which was very early, I knew by like four and a half weeks that I was pregnant. Oh, wow. I just, yeah, I just knew. And I took a pregnancy test one morning and uh, it was like clearly positive and called some friends who came over and took me... um, to get another pregnancy test, uh, to, to confirm it. And then it was just the, what do I do now? Um, I felt pretty sure early on that I wasn't in the place in my life to be a mom. It wasn't ready. I didn't want to parent alone. And I knew that was going to be the situation. Um, my first child's birth father, is a very good person. He just also wasn't ready to be a parent, had no desire to do that. And, uh, so I quickly had to kind of figure out where I was at, what I wanted to do and told my family. And of course they were very surprised and not pleased (laughs) and, uh, kind of assumed I would terminate the pregnancy Um, and that's kind of, I think what everybody thought I would do. And it's kind of what I thought I would do if I ever got into that kind of situation. But once you're in a situation, you really have to think, what am I going to do? It's not hypothetical anymore. 
And so for me, that just became something that I couldn't stomach doing because I knew I wanted to be a mom someday. And I just felt that if I had made that choice, I wouldn't ever allow myself to be a mom. Mm. So I, sorry, I'm going to get emotional. No, I completely understand. Um, so I immediately started researching adoption agencies in Portland and <laughs> looked at a few and, and went off one because the website was easy to navigate. So, you know, in 2011, I felt like people should have good websites. So that was <laughs> kind of how I chose the one I did. I went for a meeting. I was about, oh, maybe six weeks pregnant when I went in and for just options counseling. So they, you know, explained to me all the things I could do. I could parent, I could terminate, I could make an adoption plan. And by the end of that meeting, I was like, yep, I'm going to do an adoption plan. That's definitely what I want to do. And I'm the kind of person that once I'm make a decision. I'm very determined and I very rarely sway from that decision because I take the Mm -hmm. time that's necessary to make a decision that's good for me. So when I do make one, I'm like, okay, great. This is what we're doing. So that was what I decided. And so started working with the agency. Um, It's a agency that um, does open adoption. So they encourage all birth parents to make an open adoption plan um, that allows for some kind of openness of whether that's like pictures twice a year or you get to go and see the child, like whatever that be, they want you to have that as an option. And at the time I had no idea if I, what kind of contact I wanted. I knew I wanted to choose the family. That was really important to me. But beyond that, I was like, I have no idea if I'm ever going to want to know what's going on, if I'm going to want to be connected with these people, but I knew I wanted to choose the family. So I met with, um, four different families. I had gotten like profiles for, for those who don't know how, um, a lot of adoption works. You kind of get like a photo book of families and you read about them and you see them and and their families. And then I got to decide who I wanted to meet in person. So I met with four different families in person and they're all lovely and, Um, I believe all of them since have, um, had families. Um, and so that was probably around like seven, maybe six months is when I started meeting with families. Um, and it was a really hard decision, um, because they were all so great. I was just like, man, I want them all to have babies. And it felt like sad that I could only help one. Um, And the people I chose are just like so incredible. Um, And like how I decided with them was I just thought, who can I not bear not being parents? Like who do I feel like it's just wrong if they don't get to have a family? And that's the couple I chose. Um, And so, yeah, I chose them and then we, they started coming to all my prenatal appointments with me. I wanted them to be as involved in the pregnancy as possible for the last few months because I wanted them to feel like when the baby was born, that it was their child, that they had a connection. So they came to all my prenatal appointments. Um, We met each other's families. I went over for dinner and um, it was really nice to get to know them and 
we just got along really well. Like I felt like these were people I could be friends with, um, in a different life. Like if we had met in a different way, we still would have connected. Um, and the pregnancy itself was first trimester was rough. I lost about 15 pounds, um, from morning sickness. Oh, I, uh, I'm so yeah, sorry. It was, not, it was not fun. <laughs> um, and I was working the whole pregnancy as a, a hostess at a restaurant. So I was on my feet all the time, but luckily I was, you know, young. So <laughs> it was relatively easy. And after the first trimester was over, really the, the morning sickness stopped and it was pretty easy as far as pregnancy goes. Um, and I mean, I enjoyed being pregnant. Um, of course, the situation was complicated. Um, I felt a connection to the child, but also a distance because I knew I was going to place the child for adoption. So it's not that I didn't want to be close. It was that I just, I didn't feel like I was the child's or the child's mom. I just felt like kind of like a good friend or an aunt. And that was kind of the connection I made in my brain to help I don't know, maybe just guard myself a little. Um, and yeah, so pregnancy wise, pretty, pretty easy, pretty standard. Um, no, I want to ask what happened with your family when you told them I'm, I'm going to do adoption. Were they supportive of that? It was really hard. Um, my mom, nobody was happy with that decision. Everybody was a little unsettled, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom like came around pretty quickly. She, I mean, she knows that I'm the type of person that I make my own decisions and like nothing she was going to say was going to make any difference. And like, I was going to do what I was going to do. So she came around pretty quick and was like, as supportive, I think, as somebody could be in that situation. Um, so we, we maintained a relationship throughout the pregnancy and, um, she, she came up actually right about a week after the baby was born. She got to meet the baby and the parents. And my dad, on the other hand, was not supportive. Um, he, we didn't speak the entire pregnancy. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, my dad and I are very close. We've always, I'm a daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard. Um, and I know he was really struggling with it because I think he was just, this wasn't how he imagined being a grandpa, you know? So um, now that I can look back on it, I can definitely see his perspective and how it was really hard for him to figure out what this means. And, um, he has since <laughs> totally come around. He, he can't, was the first to admit that he handled the situation really poorly. And he's pretty ashamed of how he did. Um, and our relationship is great now. So luckily, it's beautiful. Yeah. Luckily we were able to work through it and he, he did actually meet the family and the baby when, um, like about a year after. And now, I mean, he sends, um, he sends that, that child 
birthday presents and Easter presents and chocolate. And so he's really awesome about it now. But I think for him, he just couldn't understand how he was going to be able to be connected with them. If he was going to be able, if they were going to be receptive to that. And I tried to explain to him like, you know, open adoption is really different than I think what you think adoption is. And, you know, they're going to be open to having, you know, other people involved in some capacity. So yeah, that was, it it was rough to not have a relationship with him during the pregnancy, but, um, that's just what happened. And we, you know, that's part of life. (laughs) That's a huge tribute to your strength too. I, I mean, wow, you are such a strong woman clearly (laughs) for making a decision and knowing in your heart what was right and saying, uh, yeah, you can, you can be mad. You can not have a relationship with me. I'm still doing what I'm doing. Yeah. It, I mean, I just knew what was best for me and that was what I had to do. And I, I didn't know if my dad and I would ever recover, but I knew I would never recover if I didn't do what was right for me. Wow. Wow. So that, that was, I can, I can 100% see how, how that situation would cause an interesting type of tension it within yourself, like you said, of, of bonding with this child, but also not, not wanting to, or not necessarily not wanting to, but maintaining some type of, of buffer. Yeah. Knowing that someone else is, is going to raise it. Right. And I mean, I had like, I had an incredible support during the pregnancy. I had a friend who was living here and she, um, I mean, we joke that she's the other birth parent. Um, Oh yeah. She, she was with me every step of the way. She came to every appointment. She was at the birth. She cut the umbilical cord. Um, I mean, she was like, I really needed that. So that was great because the birth dad, he just wasn't in the place to be able to be that support. He was really in and out the whole time, um, which was totally his choice. When I made my decision, I said, you can be involved. You cannot be involved. It's this is what I'm doing. And like you decide what you're going to do based on that. And um, he yeah, he, he just wasn't he wasn't able to be there for me in that way. So I was really, really lucky to have that friend. That's amazing. And so she was at the birth. What was that birth like? So the birth was really crazy. Um, I had been going to midwives, um, certified nurse midwives um, at the hospital because I and knew I I'm wanted sorry, to Sydney, have... where was this? What state were this, you in at this point? This was in Portland. Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I knew I wanted to have at least attempt to have an unmedicated birth as much as I could. I had literally no idea what I was going to get into. Um, <laughs> I, I took a birth class through the hospital with my friend, Juliet, the one who was my support through the whole time. And she did the class with me. It was like a four week, you know, just standard, like this is what birth is. And, mm-hmm. um, beyond that, I really didn't do much research. I just knew I was like, you know what? I can do this. I have a really high pain tolerance. Like I don't need meds. Like I'm just going to do it. It's going to be fine. And I, at my 36 week 
appointment, they, I'd been having contract, like I just had contractions all the time, like lots of Braxton Hicks. I, I mean, I, I assume they were Braxton Hicks. I was like, eh, they don't hurt, but yeah, they're happening. So they checked my dilation and I was already at a four. Oh, baby. Yeah. And this was like 36 weeks too, um, days. And I was working full time, like on my feet, I was doing like double shifts, like 16 hours and crazy. And, uh, the next night after that appointment, I'm just laying in bed and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, these contractions are like really close together and they're like pretty long and they don't hurt at all, but maybe I'll just call and see what they say. So I called, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm having contractions of, you know, they're about 45 seconds to a minute long. They're like, how close together? I'm like, oh, like three minutes. And they're like, yeah, you should come in. <laughs> and so I called my friend Jules and she drove me to the hospital and we get there and they put me in triage because they're like, oh, first time mom, 36 weeks, four days. She is, you know, she's not, she's not really in labor. So they put me in triage. They check me again. And I'm still at about a four and they hook me up to the monitor. And they're like, oh yeah, you are having like a lot of contractions. I'm like, oh yeah. Like I thought so. They're like you don't feel those. I was like, I mean, I feel them, but they're not big deal. Um, so we got into the hospital probably around, I would say between at like 11 and midnight. And luckily there was another mom who was in labor at the time because they would have discharged me within the hour. Cause they were like, well, they, they gave me fluids to like help decrease the contractions and they were like slowing. So I think the plan was to discharge me. Cause they were like, well, you know, baby's not coming right now. And, uh, but there was another mom in labor and it was, I guess, an intense labor. It was lasting a really long time. So they were gone for a while. They weren't really checking on me for quite some time. And so my friend Jules is asleep on the, you know, sofa couch thing. And I'm just uncomfortably sitting in bed and around like maybe two 45 AM my water broke. Oh, <laughs> And it was the weirdest sensation because I had no idea. I mean, you don't have any idea before you've done it. And it, I heard this pop and then kind of felt a little water come out. And I was like, that's weird. And I stood up and it was like just exploding. And so I'm like, Jules, wake up. My water broke. And she just like wakes up, runs out in the hallway. She's like, her water broke. <laughs> um, kind of freaking out. And they come in and they're like, oh, okay, I guess it's time. So I guess you shouldn't a, go home. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, well, I'm really happy I didn't go home because, so they get me into a labor and delivery room. Um, Jules calls the parents and I just remember <laughs> she is so cute. She got on the phone with them and, um, the dad answered and he's like, or she goes, are you ready to have a baby? <gasps> oh. And it was just so sweet. And, and so they moved me to labor delivery. Once my water broke, my contractions got intense, like, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I had, I had no idea that they were going to be like that. They were so strong. And I was just really, I didn't know what I was going to be like in labor. You know, we had brought like massage tools and like, we thought, Oh, like I'm really going to want like physical touch. I went so inward. I didn't want anybody to touch me. I didn't want anybody to talk to me. I was like in the zone, you know? And I just remember the dad, he's, he's the sweetest person in the world. He like walked in and he was like jubilant, you know, he's like having a baby. Like when Jules had called, it sounded really awesome. And like everybody's in good spirits. So he walks in, he's like humming and like, just like super happy. And I just remember giving him the biggest 
death stare. Like, <laughs> and, like read the room. I am not in the mood. And he immediately like quieted down, just like went over to the corner. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and then I, I got this, like, I got this sudden feeling that I needed to go to the bathroom. I was like, gotta go, gotta go. So they get me to the bathroom. I'm sitting on the toilet and I just have this contraction and I get just so lightheaded. Like I thought I was going to pass out. And I just said, I need to push. I need to push. And they're like, you don't need to push. Your water just broke. This was 40 minutes after my water broke. They're like, you were out of four. Your water just broke. Like, let's get back to the bed and I will, I'll check you. And I'm like, I mean, I was so exhausted. I just couldn't handle it. And we get to the bed and baby was crowning. Oh my word. Um, and there was one nurse in there with me she didn't even have gloves on. And she was like, I'm about to press a button and a lot of people are about to come in here. And so she pushes this button on the wall and just suddenly it's like chaos in the room. Like people just running in, like they're bringing the baby warmer in, like, and it was suddenly go time. And I pushed for eight minutes and then baby was out. Whoa. So intense. Yeah. From the time my water broke to birth was about 45 minutes. Yeah. That's incredible. And it's so neat that you're, you know, the last time you had been checked, you were out of four. That just, the body is amazing. Yeah. Right. So I basically went from a four to a 10 in 40 minutes. Oh, um, geez. And yeah. With a first birth. So yeah, everybody was shocked. Um, and, uh, the, the mom got there as I was pushing cause she, she was a nurse. They're both nurses actually, both of the parents and she was actually at work. So she had, she literally, I didn't even see her come in. She came in during pushing and she said, she said she just immediately broke into tears because she felt so bad for me Oh, <laughs> because I was just screaming. Like I've never, ever screamed before. Um, I had no idea that I could make those noises mm-hmm. and, I just remember after the baby was out, I just looked around at everybody. I was like horrified that I had done that. And I was like, I'm sorry. And they all laughed and they were like, everybody sounds like that. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know I could do that. Yep. I don't um, think I could make those noises in any other situation. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so crazy. And they just, they put the baby on my chest and it was the weirdest experience of my entire life because it was just there was a baby inside me and now there's a baby on me. And it's just so overwhelming. It's like the fact that people create people is so weird. And like, it was just really, I just knew there was a baby in me, but when you have it and then it's suddenly on you and you're like, Oh my God, this is a person, right? It's crazy. And I had this love for the baby, but I also just like, knew it wasn't my baby. Like I just knew there was, I didn't feel like, Oh no, this is mine. And I don't want to do this anymore. It was like, Oh my gosh, I love you so much. And like, here's your parents. Like, Oh, that's beautiful that you were able to establish such an incredible relationship during the, during your pregnancy too. Yeah. Oh yeah. That helped so much because I knew that like, this was what was supposed to happen. And I mean, the baby, he was six pounds, eight ounces at 36 weeks, four days. So that's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. And, um, perfect. He got a 10 on his Apgar, like 
literally nothing wrong. No NICU time, no nothing. Like that's awesome. hundred percent ready. And, um, then I breastfed in the hospital, which was really awesome and really something I was interested in doing, but I didn't, I didn't want to make the parents uncomfortable and be like, I want to do this. So mm-hmm. I hadn't ever even brought it up. And then actually the mom brought it up to me. She said, is this something you're interested in or comfortable doing? Because as nurses, they knew how important colostrum was. Mm-hmm. And they like really wanted the baby to get colostrum if possible. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I want to do that so bad. So oh, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to breastfeed in the hospital. We were there for two days and they, the wow. parents got a room like three doors down from me and the baby stayed with them and then would come over to me when I would nurse. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really special and also very emotional because, you know, postpartum hormones are crazy mm-hmm. And especially in this kind of situation, you know, I was, I knew my decision was right, but it didn't make it easy. Sure. Um, so in Oregon, like every state has different laws with adoption in Oregon, a birth mom can't sign paperwork and adoption paperwork until, um, I think it's after 24 hours, the baby is born. Like you can't, you can't do it before you can't like, which is wonderful because you until that point, you you are that child's parent and you get to decide. And right. so that was always great because I felt like my counselor was really amazing in that capacity that she was like, you know, this is your decision. Just because you have made this adoption plan doesn't mean that you have to do the adoption plan. Like plenty of women who make adoption plans end up parenting and it's heartbreaking for the adoptive families, but that I feel like it protects everybody that you get to make that decision after birth and absolutely you, you don't know how you're going to feel <laughs> like right um so i mean but i was i was still very confident sure no matter how emotional i felt i was like no this is for sure what i want to do i'm confident and so yeah signed the paperwork and after we all got discharged from the hospital i actually like went over to the family's house and we spent like more time together just oh. at home and um yeah, it was, it was amazing. And I, I pumped for six months, um, to provide breast milk, um, which was really intense because I was working two jobs at the time. (laughs) So it was like a third full-time job, but I'm really happy I got to do it. Um, yeah, that is an incredibly selfless love. That's amazing to, to keep that up while, while you're not, you're not with the baby all of the time. Right. And the year after the birth was actually like not too, not too difficult emotionally. I feel like I had, I, I just felt like I had kind of gotten some of my youth back. Um, I suddenly could go out with my friends again. I wasn't pregnant and tired and cranky. And so I think it was like rejuvenating in a sense that I, I got to feel more like me again. And I still was, I was seeing the family every like, you know, a couple weeks to, to do milk drop-offs. And, um, I felt pretty good. And then it was at the one year birthday. I I went to the one year birthday party and a couple of my friends came and, um, I, it was wonderful and great. And then I, after I just got really withdrawn, um, and I don't know exactly what flipped, but like 
something switched and I just felt really like I needed a break. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe right after the birth, I just jumped right back into my life so much that I didn't give myself time to like process and reflect and um, kind of see how it had changed me. So for about six months, I was just, I, um, I told the family that I just needed a break and I just needed some space. And I took that and I ended up actually, um, deciding to do teach for America and move to Memphis during this time. Um, okay. cause I kind of felt like I needed a reset, like go somewhere totally new, totally different. And just like see what life had in store. Um, I think maybe I realized like, this isn't going to be my life. You know, I'm not going to be seeing the family every two weeks forever. Like Mm -hmm. that's just not how most any kind of relationship is. And so for me, it was just like, okay, well I need to like kind of detach a little bit to let them be their family of three and like allow myself to like move on and not have this be the only thing that defines my life. Right. So yeah, I moved to Memphis and that's where I met my husband. Oh. So I always credit my first baby with like my ability to have my son because I feel like if I didn't have that first experience, it would have never spurred me to move to Memphis and meet my husband and then have my child. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, so with all of that happening, how did that play into your next birth? You know, how did how did that that experience change you in relation to your next pregnancy and birth? Yeah. Well, I after that, I first of all knew I could definitely do an unmedicated birth because I had done it and I'd done it really fast and like right. Um, so I, I knew I was totally capable and I had honestly no problems with the hospital. I had a wonderful experience with the hospital I birthed at, which is actually the hospital I birthed my surrogate baby at as well here. Oh, so, neat. yeah, I love, I mean, the nurses were great. I had the midwives and they were wonderful. I never, I didn't feel like I was like just put through the like process, which was great. But I also had such a fast birth that I didn't feel like there was a lot of time for anything to go wrong and for any interventions to be like put upon me. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky in that capacity, but I, um, it's funny, my husband and I, we actually met on a dating app and, um, our first date, we, we're together for like three hours and he's a nurse. I just have a thing for nurses, I guess. <laughs> Sounds um, like it. <laughs> um, and he had taken a class in college and his professor was like really into midwifery. Oh, and I had been introduced to midwifery in high school. I had a friend in high school whose mom was a midwife and, um, had birthed all six of her kids at home. And it kind of, changed my perspective. And of course I watched the business of being born and, you know, one thing led to another and I was (laughs) sold. And so it was so interesting. That's how my husband and I like kind of say that we knew (laughs) we were going to be together is our first date. We talked for about midwifery for like an hour 
and about how much sense it makes and how home births are great. And um, it was just such a funny conversation to have on a first date. And so when, when we got together really fast too, we met in like April, we moved in together in July, we got pregnant in September, and then we got married the following February. And then our son was born in May. Oh, wow. So within a year of meeting each other, we had moved in, gotten pregnant, had a baby, gotten married. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, actually (laughs) my my husband and I, same story. Well, it was a little beyond a year because she was born in December. We had that in August. But yeah. It's it's amazing. It's amazing though that like when you know it's right, there's just no reason to like not go for it and take the amount of time that everyone thinks you need to take to do things. Um, (laughs) So when we got pregnant, it wasn't planned. It wasn't not planned. We like to say that we just, we had discussed having children and we weren't actively preventing having kids. So we got pregnant and I was really, um, the day I found out I was pregnant, I was very emotional because I didn't know how he was going to react. I mean, I, we talked about it and I knew he wasn't going to be like a jerk, But my only other experience of like telling somebody I'm pregnant with your baby was them basically saying like, I don't want anything to do with it. Right. So I was like, oh no, like what if, what if he doesn't really want this? And, um, he was so sweet when I came out of the bathroom and I was like, so I'm pregnant. He's like, why do you think that? I'm like, cause this test says so. Um, he came up and gave me a big hug and he told me how I had made his day better. Oh, yeah, so it was so sweet, and we were really excited, and we started planning to do a home birth in Memphis, where we were living at the time. We met with a midwife, a couple midwives there, and picked one that we were most comfortable with, and were on track to do that. And then a slew of things happened. I, I ended up quitting my my job. I was working as a social worker in a facility um, for teenagers, and um, I had gotten like knocked to the ground and mm. I was like 12 weeks pregnant. And I literally quit that day and walked out. Cause I was like, I'm not going to risk myself and my baby for this job. And I don't like right. this job that much. <laughs> <laughs> not with it. So I quit. And then I was like, man, what am I doing here? I don't really like living here. My husband had wanted, he's born and raised in Memphis and has wanted to leave there for decades. And so we were kind of like, what are we doing? And so we ended up moving to Vegas, which is where I'm from, and okay. my mom was living there. So we moved in with my mom. My parents were um, recently separated, so she was by herself. And I was like, you know, I feel like this is a good symbiotic relationship. Like, she's helping us out because we're saving rent and, like, possibly being able to move back up to Portland. And, you know, then she has us there and, like, a new grandchild eventually. Right. So, yeah, we moved in with my mom when I was about, um, yeah, I was probably about 14 weeks pregnant when I moved. And um, Zach actually stayed back in Memphis because he needed to wait to get a job in Vegas mm-hmm. before he could move. So he didn't actually move until February. So we were apart from like November to February. Oh, that's right. Yeah, which was really hard, <laughs> especially like early on in pregnancy. And I had horrible morning sickness with Oliver as well. And it was just hard. And mm-hmm. when he finally made it to Vegas, it was just so, so nice. Um, and we, I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to do the home birth in Vegas because it was my mom's house. It's my childhood home, which was cool. But 
I didn't want to assume that she would be comfortable with that. And I mean, she had me and my brother in the hospital and, you know, Mm -hmm. she, she's like, yeah, hospital, that makes sense. Right. So we actually went to the hospital that's close to the house and met with the certified nurse midwives there. Cause I was like, you know what I can, I did it the first time in the hospital with midwives. I can do it again. It's not a big deal. Like, and so I went and it was just a horrible, like we ended up waiting like an hour and a half over our appointment time. And then she literally spent 20 like seconds with me. Like she's like, Oh, okay. So cool. And it was just so impersonal. And I left and I just like broke into tears and my mom was like, okay, like you really want to do this at home. And I was like, I just don't want that to be my experience. Like right. so impersonal. It was just, yeah. And so luckily my mom like got on board, which, yeah, I don't, I don't know how she really feels about it. Like maybe she <laughs> thought it was totally crazy, but again, she knows I'm the type of person that like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's got to stand back. Me otherwise. <laughs> um, so I met with, I got a recommend. There's so many midwives in Las Vegas. Oh my goodness. Like in, That's great in Memphis, know. there was like three midwives that I could like interview. And in Vegas, it was like a hundred midwives. Like, wow. So I was really overwhelmed. So I was like, how do I choose? And like, I want to choose somebody soon so we can like build a relationship. And so I had gotten a recommendation from, uh, a friend who's the, the friend in high school, whose mom was a midwife. She had apprenticed, um, my midwife had apprenticed for her. So she was like, Oh, she's great. Go meet with her. And I did. And, and, um, immediately was like, great, you're amazing. And I, Oh, she's the best. We're really like, she's a friend of mine now. I love that. I love when she's just the best. Yeah. She, she had such a, we just hit it off. We were just friends. Like, and I love that all the appointments were a full hour. There was never a rush. And it's like, she got to know my family as people, not just like, she didn't have to look at our file to know my story. Right. So that, I loved that so much. It was so welcoming and amazing. Um, and my pregnancy after the morning sickness was pretty easy again, except I did have the, um, the SPD, that synthesis mm. pubis dysfunction. Yeah. Which is so painful. And I got that at like 26 weeks. I went to a Zumba class and I think I went too hard mm. <laughs> and just ended up being in severe pain. So I started seeing a chiropractor around 30 weeks and that helped so much. Like, oh my gosh. Um, so beyond that though, it was like really standard, easy pregnancy. Um, And I was really excited about the home birth. I already, like I said, I knew I could do unmedicated. I knew my body was like, knew how to do this. And I felt really confident. I was really nervous though, about ending up being by myself during labor and delivery Mm -hmm. because my first birth had been so fast and chaotic and looking back on a little like traumatic just because of how fast and like, I just felt really out of control during the situation because I just felt like my I mean, there's a freedom in your body, just like doing what it's supposed to do. But I just felt like I was like, not part of it that like, I had, I just was so overwhelmed by how it went. And I was, as I got closer to my due date with Oliver, I started getting really worried, like, Oh my gosh, what if that happens again? And my midwife lived in Henderson across town. It's like a 40 mile drive from where our house was. 
And my husband was working over there at the time too. So I was like, if I go into labor at like five o'clock on a Thursday, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be by myself. Like my mom will be here and like, I don't know how she'll handle it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, so around, I think like 33 or 34 weeks, I decided to get a doula and I was like, this is probably way too late to do this, but (laughs) I just wanted more people. (laughs) So I met, um, a doula who actually was like part of my little group of friends. Like she knew a bunch of people I had gone to high school with. So it was like, and we'd never met, but I automatically felt like we kind of knew each other. And she's one of my best friends now. Um, like, best, best friends love her. We talk like almost every day. Um, and so, but she also lived in Henderson, so I wasn't doing myself any favors really. <laughs> Cause I chose three people that lived like so right. far away from me. You're going to end up driving um, to them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, this is life. Um, and then I remember also being really nervous that I wasn't going to make it to 37 weeks because with my first, I didn't. Right. And my midwife had told me, you know, if it's close to 37 weeks, we're going to, you know, if it's before 37 weeks, I'm going to really feel more comfortable if we go to the hospital because mm-hmm. she's like, I just, you know, feel more confident if it's, you know, as close to 37 weeks as possible. So I was really right. worried. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm doing all this work to do this home birth and then I'm going to have to go to the hospital anyway. Right. Um, at the same and time, every it was day good. over. What? Sorry. I was going to say it was good though, that you had a six what, six pounds, eight ounces? Is that how much yeah. the person is? Yeah. At 36, that's kind of comforting and reassuring of, oh. For sure. Yeah, those totally healthy. good-sized babies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the same token, every day past 36 weeks, four days, I was, like, so crabby because I'd never been pregnant so long. <laughs> and I just was like, I'm so done. Like, by the time I hit 37 weeks, I was like, okay, great. Like, time. It's time. It's Come time. on. And every morning I would, I just assumed I would go into labor at night or early in the morning because that is very common. And that's when I had my first and every day I would wake up and not be in labor. I would cry. (laughs) And my husband probably thought I was just losing it. Um, (laughs) Love this. Yeah. And uh, luckily my son, he's the best. He decided to come at 39 weeks exactly on a Sunday. Oh. So my husband was home because he wasn't that was at work. Thoughtful. And yeah, and there was no traffic. I was like, oh my God. So I woke up at 5.30. Something woke me up. I assume it was contractions, but I wasn't like noticing them. Something woke me up. And then I heard that familiar pop and stood up and my water had broke. Oh my which goodness. I feel like is so not how labors typically go. Right. Like I always tell people, I'm like, don't expect for your water to like break and then like have a baby. Then you have labor. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I just remember I stood up, my water broke. Luckily I had towels by the, the bed. So I was, I like was able to waddle to the bathroom and I'm like screaming at my husband. I'm like, my water broke. He's like still asleep. And he comes in the bathroom. I'm like, call Allison. That's our midwife. I was like, my water broke. I was like hysterical because in my mind, I was going to like immediately have a baby. Right. Because before it only been 40 minutes and I was like, right. oh my God, oh my God, this is what I was thinking was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And 
So I call my midwife and I'm like, yeah, my water just broke. Like, she's like, how are your contractions? I'm like, oh, I mean, they're fine. I don't know. I just woke up. So she's like, okay, well, you know, call me when they get closer together and more intense. And if I haven't heard from you by the afternoon, I'll check in. And I just remember thinking the afternoon, (laughs) like I'm going to have this baby right now. (laughs) You don't understand. (laughs) No. And she was so calm though. And I was just like, okay. Like she obviously knew my first how my first birth went. So I was like, okay, she's like thinking this is fine. Like, okay, maybe I'm freaking out for no reason. So I hang up with her. I text my doula to just let her know. And then about 30 minutes later, I mean, I was noticing my contractions and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call everybody. Cause I, I'm really scared about being by myself. Mm-hmm. So I called everyone and, and I think everyone got there around seven 30 AM. Um, my doula, my midwife, she had an apprentice with her and my, um, I had a friend who came and so they get there at seven 30 and then we're all hanging out. Of course, like I basically feel like my labor kind of stopped and I was thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. Like these people are all here. I have to have this baby now. And my midwife was like, that's very common. Like as soon as everybody shows up, your body kind of like freaks out a little bit and is like, Oh no, it's time to perform. I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I kind of just went on some walks. I just like walked around the neighborhood a little, like ate some breakfast. And by nine, my contractions were starting to feel like something. And I just went into the bedroom by myself. I didn't tell anybody I was going in in there. Like I just, again, I went really inward and went into the bedroom and just kind of lit my candles, put my music on and just like, did my thing. And then I think maybe like 30 minutes later, I think they're probably like, Oh, where'd Sydney go? (laughs) She's not coming back. (laughs) And they all like kind of came in and, um, I was on my hands and knees and my midwife was like, you're doing great. Like this, you know, this part's, you're looking good. It doesn't look like it's going to be too long. And my doula got me a birth ball and I was kind of hunched over that on all fours. And she was like holding my hand and just, she was so awesome because I love my husband, but I, I loved that he was there and I knew he was there, but like, I didn't want him to talk to me and I didn't want him to touch me. (laughs) It was like, Mm -hmm. you have no idea what I'm going through right now. (laughs) Yep. And like, at one point he like touched my back and it was probably honestly the tiniest little touch. And it felt like he had put like eight bricks on me and I was like, (gasps) do not touch me. Oh, no. <laughs> like, felt so bad because I like feel like I screamed at him. Um, <laughs> but my doula was amazing because she just like helped me like like gentle reminders to like relax because I would you know tense my shoulders. It's so hard to stay relaxed, but it's like of course what you should do, but so hard to do in the moment. Absolutely. And uh, I just remember my midwife. she was just sitting in the corner and I just had this moment of panic because I was like, why isn't she over here? Like telling me what to do. Like, cause in the hospital, they were telling me what to do. They were like, okay, push now, do this, do that. And although I knew that my body could do it, I just got, I was like, oh my gosh, why, why aren't they telling me what to do? I don't know what to do. And then I just had this voice say to me, if she's not over here, it's because everything is going how it's supposed to. Like, if things weren't going well, she'd be over here. Yep. And the fact that she's just chilling in the corner, I'm like, I should 
take comfort in that and realize that that means everything's good. And so I was like, okay, okay, I can do this. Of course, a million times I said, I can't do this. And my jeweler was like, well, you can, and you are. (laughs) I was like, you're right. Like (laughs) I have to. Um, so I was there for maybe, um, probably until about 11, maybe 10, maybe like 10 50. I was like just on all fours. Um, and I didn't want to move. Like they kept being like, do you want to try a different position? I was like, no, I am happy right here. I'm not moving. I'm not getting up. Like, no, not happening. And then around like 10 50, I got really tired. I was like, I need to lay down. I'm just, I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. And they were like, okay, do you want to get in the bed? And I'm like, yes, yes. So they like get the bed set up. So there's, you know, like, um, like puppy pads down and, you know, so I don't ruin my mattress and mm-hmm. I go and I lay and I'm like, just this amazing feeling of relaxment. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so relaxed right now. I was like, my contractions stopped and I just like felt like, oh, rest. I'm so happy. This is wonderful. And my midwife said, you know, this happens sometimes before, like right before baby comes, you know, you, mm-hmm. your body gives you a little break. So like totally take this time. And she's like, this can last a while. You know, you can f- have this for, I'm like, great. Oh my God. I could, I was like, <laughs> I want to go to sleep. Like, and f- it was five minutes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and, but it was literally like Wait. the most relaxing five minutes I think I've had in my entire life. And suddenly I like just jerk up and I'm like, nope, got to push. I have to push right now. And I'm like, I want to get back down. I want to get back down. So they helped me get back down onto all fours. And then it was just like go time. And I think I probably pushed for like 10 to 15 minutes, maybe even less than that. Cause actually I have a video where I'm pushing and it's only two minutes long. And I don't think I had been pushing very much before that. Right. Um, and then, yeah, he was born and my husband caught him and it was so amazing. That's incredible. So what was that like? What was, was there a different feeling that you felt with this birth in relation to your first once they oh, put yeah. him on your chest? Yeah. Well, um, so I was on all fours and he came out and, um, my husband caught him and then kind of just passed him to me under my legs. And mm-hmm. I'm just crying hysterically. And he's crying, which was so funny <laughs> because my midwife was like, home birth babies are really quiet usually. Like, don't think there's something wrong. Like, a lot of times they don't cry at all. Like, we'll see that he's breathing by seeing that he's breathing. Like, um, and so I was expecting like this quiet, serene child to come out of me. And he came out screaming, like, <laughs> full volume. <laughs> And I'm like crying hysterically. And I just remember looking at him and he was like the cheesiest baby. Like he had so much vernix on him. And I just remember being like, he's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like I still watch the video and I like cry every time. And my son loves to watch it now. Um, oh, I love he that. He always says like, daddy, I came out of your belly and daddy caught me. <laughs> like, Oh, um, yeah, I just felt, I mean, I knew this was my child, like, 100%. And, like, it was so, it felt so different. And, like, I already felt like I knew him and he knew me. And, like, mm-hmm. that was so weird. Like, how do I know this person already? And, like, love, like, I tell people, 
if you think you've experienced love with your significant other, with your family, that is love. But it is not the type of love that you experience with a child. Like, I, I like have never loved anything more. (laughs) Like, um, and just that innate, like, I will do anything to protect you. (laughs) Like, it's so crazy. Evolution is insane. Like it, (laughs) it's so unbelievable how I have described it as like a whole new room and your heart opens up that you didn't even know existed. You know, that's totally what it's like. I, yeah, I tell people, I'm like, you just, it, you cannot explain it until you felt it. And it's, yeah, you can't compare it to anything else. And Mm -hmm. it was so amazing to be home because I mean, we just sat down and he started nursing and I mean, we just got into bed and my friend went and bought us sandwiches to eat. And like, it was just so calm and relaxing. And he was eight pounds, six ounces. Yeah. So he was big. Yeah. And almost 22 inches long. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he was like super healthy. We, um, I was so worried about tearing because I got a second degree tear with my first birth. I think cause it was so fast. I was laying down, like things were not working in my favor. So I got a pretty bad tear and that sucked getting that stitched up. So that was one of my biggest things. I was like, I do not want to tear. And my midwife was like only really confident to stitch up to a second degree. And so I was mm-hmm. like, if I tear worse than that, I'm going to have to like go to the hospital to get stitched up. And that, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. So I really focused during the pushing that I was only pushing when I was having a contraction because I was like, I am not going to tear. And I did not tear at all with him. Nice. Um, Yeah. That shows you how important positioning is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And pushing when your body is telling you to push, not when somebody else is telling you to. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Oh, it was so, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I feel so much better. Like I, my body just felt like, I mean, I was tired, obviously. But beyond that, I was like, I actually like feel really good. And, um, we, uh, we kept, oh, so then I had to birth the placenta, which like, I always forget is something you have to do. Right. Like no matter, I mean, I've had three kids now and I still don't remember. And so, yeah, she's like, are you having contractions or do you want to try and push the placenta out? And I'm like, oh yeah, I have to do that. Oh, that's weird. Um, (laughs) so I was having them, but it wasn't enough to like get it out. So she's like, well, do you want me to see if I can like help? And I was like, yeah, you know, make sure it had detached and everything. And she was able, it came right out. So it was like, no problem. But we had, we kept the cord attached. We wanted to keep it attached until it stopped pulsing. Mm-hmm. And that was 90 minutes. So oh wow, he, wow. Yeah, it was, I had a super long cord. Like the cord was crazy long. So it was actually really easy because it. I, we didn't feel like we were like, you know, stuck by the bowl. Stuck. <laughs> like, yeah. The placenta bowl. Um, and so, yeah, we waited and he was like, Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Cause he was like so pink and so alert and just like, Oh, it was so great. And then my husband cut it, cut the cord and there was like literally no blood. It was amazing. I was like, oh, and it was white. Like, I was just like, this is so cool. Yeah. Good um, job. Yeah, it was awesome. And so they, my midwife and doula stayed until about then. And then they were like, okay, well, you know, you guys look great. Do you need anything else? Like, um, we're gonna, we're gonna go. And I did make my friend, I, I had this panic that I was going to need a nipple shield to nurse because of course in the hospital, 
with my first, they told me, oh, you have flat nipples and you're not going to be able to nurse effectively. So you're going to have to use this nipple shield. So I had in my brain that like, I'm not going to be able to nurse them and I didn't go get a nipple shield and this is going to like totally mess up breastfeeding. So I made my friend go buy one. And I just remember my midwife being like, why are you worried about this? And I told her what happened in the hospital the first time. And she's like, no, like you're going to be fine. Like, I mean, if you have to use it, you have to use it, but like, don't think that you're going to automatically need it. And I did not use it one time and I nursed him for 20 months. Amazing. So I was like, I tell all my friends, don't, don't just assume right. that you're going to need one. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what a, so what a good, smart midwife you have. Oh, she's the best. Yeah. Um, and uh, my doula came over the next day and she encapsulated my placenta for me, which was so nice. She, because awesome. I couldn't afford to get it done. It was really expensive, the places I had looked. And I was just like, I can't afford it, but I really want to do it. And so she was like, well, I can just come do it for you and I'll just charge you for the supplies. So it was like 30 bucks and she spent the whole day there (laughs) and then came back the next day to finish. And um, that was really awesome. And I think it, you know, whether it actually helped or just I thought it helped, I don't care because it felt like it was making me feel good and it was helping my milk production and even if it was a placebo effect, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. My husband says that he could tell the days that I forgot to take those pills. So <laughs> yeah, no, I really think it helped my mood a lot. Um, and yeah, so that was my birth with Oliver and it was <sighs> amazing. It was like what I wish every woman could have. Yeah. Like that type of confidence and like whatever type of birth you want, I want you to look back on that day. Like it's the best day of your life. That's incredible. And that's what makes me so sad is when that is not how people look at their birth. And I know that it can be different. Mm-hmm. You're so right. Well, so Sydney, what made you after this experience decide to uh, go the route of surrogacy for another couple? Yeah. So I, we knew pretty early on that we didn't want more of our own kids. We kind of went back and forth for a while because we felt like, oh, we want to give Oliver a sibling and we feel like we should have two because like everybody has more than one. Like, and then we just realized, you know, if it's not, people always say they knew they weren't done. And we were like, we knew we were done. So like, why would we like have another one just because we feel like that's what we're supposed to do. Right. Um, But I, I love pregnancy and birth so much. Like, I'm, I always say I'm that weird friend who just like loves birth, especially I love going through it. And I feel like such a warrior after that. I'm like, I want that feeling like a million times, but I don't want any more babies. (laughs) (laughs) How do I do that? Um, (laughs) And I also, so I'm a social worker and that's like kind of my entire personality is I just like love helping people. Mm-hmm. And after becoming a mom, I realized like how sad I, I just like, I couldn't imagine not being able to have a child and like wanting that so badly and how like empty I would feel. And just that there are so many people who want that experience and that opportunity and should have it. And for whatever reason can't. And so I was like, you know what? I can totally do 
do this for somebody. Like, and I knew I could because I had gone through an adoption with my my first. So I was like, I know I can do it. Like, I know I can have a baby for somebody else. And with being a gestational surrogate, it's so different too, because it's the baby doesn't have any genetic tie to me. Mm. It was a egg donor and then one of the dad's sperm. So this embryo had no like genetic link to me. It wasn't biologically my child at all. So I was like, I feel like that also is going to make it a totally different experience than my adoption, which that child is my, like my bio child. Um, so yeah, I started thinking about it and just being like, man, this is something I really want to do. And I mentioned it to my husband and he was immediately like, uh, what? Um, (laughs) and I was like, in my brain, I was like, I've been thinking about doing this for years. Like, I, this is always something I've wanted to do, but I forget that he's not in my brain with me. And so (laughs) he was like, I don't, what, what are you talking about? And, um, so it took him a good year to like really come around to the idea and feel comfortable with it. Cause I mean, if you've never thought about it before, it is kind of a, like, what are you talking about? Um, so I knew I wanted to go through an agency because I wanted, like, I wanted to be protected. I wanted the intended parents to be protected and I wanted the baby to be protected. And I wanted like all the paperwork done right. And I like, I didn't want to be stressed about any of the legalities and, um, so I found an agency here in Portland because we we moved up back up to Portland when Oliver was um, nine months old um, and have been living here since. So we've been living here again since 2016. Um, and so I yeah found an agency here and I went and my husband and I went and met with them and sat down and talked about how the process works and their agency and everything. And I was like, cool, this sounds good. And I think after that meeting, my husband realized like, oh, this is a legit thing. It's not just like, I'm finding a random family on Facebook and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have your baby. And right. there's like a million things that could go awry. He's like, oh, okay. This is like, there's contracts. There's like, it's feels safer. Um, so yeah, I, I like started working with the agency and I did all my med screenings and um, IVF is like no joke. Like I, this process of being a surrogate makes me have so much respect for women who go through fertility treatments. Um, it's really intense. And, uh, I only had to do one round and I know people who've done, you know, seven, eight rounds and, mm. um, I just can't even imagine. So this made me feel really, uh, thankful that I was able to do that without fertility, um, treatments. Um, right. but yeah, I found, um, I matched, so it kind of worked similar to how adoption, my adoption process worked is like you, like you get a like book from the family and you read about them and then you're like, cool, let's meet. And so we Skyped cause they live in Spain and we chatted. Their English is really good. My Spanish is not. So luckily <laughs> we, we spoke in English. We chose and, English. Um, yeah. I wish my Spanish was better. Um, And yeah, immediately I was just like, I love these guys. Like I want them to have a child like this. And this is something I can do for them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so yeah, we like matched and then got to know each other. We texted a lot and, um, then it was just like, yeah, all full steam ahead. I did the whole, uh, IVF med cycle and, all my levels and lining and everything were good. And, 
their fertility clinic was actually in Las Vegas. Funny because that's where my family's from. And so I had to fly down there for the embryo transfer. So we did the embryo transfer in August of 2017 and it took and, um, yeah, first time. So that was great. And everything was like going awesome. The pregnancy was so easy. I had no morning sickness. Oh man. Which I was just anticipating like, okay, for the first 12 weeks, I'm just gonna be like miserable and none at all. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, oh my gosh, I always thought when people told me they didn't have morning sickness that they were lying because I was like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, this is just part of pregnancy and you have to feel this way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You must. Like, yeah, I'm like, this is just like how it is. Like, don't tell me it's not. And so it was shocking to me. I was like, oh my gosh, wow. I'm just like gaining weight right away because I'm like eating (laughs) and nothing's coming up. And it was just the weirdest feeling. So physically super easy pregnancy. Um, and yeah, everything had been good. We, we did like the heartbeat ultrasound at like six and a half weeks and she had a great heart rate and, um, everything was good. Everything was going great. Um, and then at the anatomy scan at just like 19 and a half weeks, um, things changed, uh, very quickly. Um, I just remember, I feel so like naive now thinking back on what my mindset was going into that anatomy scan. I was just like, they didn't know if it was boy or girl. So I was like, cool. Like I'm going to get to tell them if it's a boy or girl. And, um, just that was like my biggest, I was like, Oh, yay. We get to find out and mm-hmm. nothing else. Cause I've never had a, anything go wrong previously. And I'd always had anatomy scans. And so I was like, in my brain, there was not even like, I wasn't worried at all. Like not at all. And I would never go into anatomy scan, not worried now if I ever, you know, have a, have another pregnancy. Um, so yeah, we go in and it's just me. Like, my husband is at home with our son. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'll be back in like an hour and a half. Cool. Whatever. So I just go in and doing the scan and I could pretty much tell immediately something was wrong. Uh-huh. Um, because the ultrasound tech, she is so friendly and sweet and we were chatting about surrogacy and then it just kind of got too quiet. And I was like, But in my brain, I still was like, no, nothing's wrong. Like, nothing can be wrong. Everything's been fine up to this point. Like, it's fine. And then she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go, like, have the doctor come in. And I've always had the doctor come in and say, everything's great. Like, see you at this time, you know? like. Right. So I was like, okay, cool. She's just going to, the doctor's going to come in and tell me, like, everything's good. And the doctor comes in and he's like, "Um, let's go into this meeting room. And I immediately knew something was wrong because you could just tell me right here if everything's fine. Right. Like whatever you're going to tell me is going to take time. And like, you want me to be in a different room for it. So Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh no. And I had no, I mean, no idea what it could be. So I go in and he starts telling me what is going on. And that baby has a heart defect and which are um, more common with IVF um, pregnancies um, which I knew, but again, it's like, you're just like, no, everything's fine. Um, and he said, like, he told me what it was. It's called transposition of the great arteries. It's basically where the two arteries are switched the wrong way. So the blood doesn't oxygenate through the body. Mm. So it's just like 
something that happens during development. There's no, they don't know why it happens. There's like, they don't know if it's genetic or just like at development that just happens. So he was amazing. He was, I'm so happy. He is the doctor who was there that day because he was like so comforting, but also really informative. Like he, and took as much time as necessary to explain to me as best as I could understand what was going on. He drew diagrams for me. He knew I needed to communicate it to the dads. So he was like really trying to explain it in a way that I would be able to explain it to them with all the language barriers. And I mean, he was amazing. I, I am so thankful for him. And he was amazing throughout the rest of my pregnancy, even when he wasn't like my doctor to like, he would come in and check in on me. And he like, came into the hospital, like after the baby was born to meet the dads and he spoke Spanish. So he like came in and like talked with them. He was just like, not what you expect a typical OB to be. Um, and so then I had to like communicate all this information to the dads with a nine hour time difference with a language barrier. Like it was just a whirlwind and they wanted me to get an amnio because sometimes like the heart defect can go along with a chromosomal abnormality. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay. And they got me scheduled for the amnio that day. Cause the amnio results can take two to three weeks to get. And I was already almost 20 weeks. And like, there was the, there was the thought of termination. Like, is this, which you never think at 20 weeks that that's going to be a conversation that you're having. Right. And so luckily my husband, we, my husband took my son to a friend's house and he came to the hospitals to, to be there for the amnio with me. And then we just had to wait. And it was, this was right around Christmas oh. and yeah, it was like the longest two week waiting period. It was excruciating, not knowing what was going on, not knowing how the dads were feeling, if they were going to, you know, continue the pregnancy despite anything, or if they were going to want to terminate. And then I was going to have to go through that and those emotions and feelings and not something that I wanted it. Yeah, it was a, it was very, it was a hard Christmas. Um, yeah, we went up to my dad's house. He, He lives a couple hours North of where we are. And so we went up there for the holidays and yeah, I just remember just being just like, yeah, it was like not, I was just sad and stressed out. And, um, I guess, so I guess the, the, the dads had decided actually they were going to terminate the pregnancy mm-hmm. and, um, they had emailed our, my coordinator, my, my, my surrogacy case manager and said that basically. And so she was going to wait until after Christmas to call me. This was right before Christmas. So she was like, okay, I'll call Sydney on, I think Christmas was on a Sunday and she was like, I'll call her on Monday. Mm-hmm. And they had emailed, I think they'd emailed her like the day before Christmas or maybe the day before Christmas Eve with that decision. And then she got, got to work Monday morning the day after Christmas. And she had another email from them that was like, we're not, we're not going to terminate. Like we can't do it. And no matter what, like we're going to this, we don't know how we're going to make this work financially. We don't know how any of this is going to be, we, you know, but we're going to, we just have to do it. And these guys had had a previous surrogate who had two late, late 
miscarriages, like after 17 weeks. So they'd already lost two babies. And so I just can't imagine what place they were in thinking like, you're telling me that she can have surgery and that it will most likely work, but you're also telling me she could die and Mm -hmm. that we can't get insurance for it. So we're going to be paying out of pocket for open heart surgery and NICU stay. Wow. And that's a lot. So I know a lot of people immediately, like parents especially, because like, you know, there's no amount of money in the world that would come between me saving my child for sure. So I think it's really hard for people to see their perspective in it. And yeah, I just say, like, like I said, with my first pregnancy, you never know what you're going to do until you're in a situation. And so like best practice is to just not judge others. (laughs) I, I love that, you know, (laughs) both, both situations were, were beautiful decisions, you know, that's, that's really cool. And yeah, and they, and they came to that on their own, you know, they, they made the decision and they felt confident in it. And that's really beautiful. Yeah. So I think what probably happened, they have huge, huge, huge families all in Spain with them. Like they've got tons of siblings, they're all their parents and lots of nephews and cousins. And I think they probably all got together on Christmas. And I was like, you know, whatever their family kind of tells them, I feel like is going to really influence their decision. So I think probably what happened is they got together with their family and they just said, you know, we're not going to continue the pregnancy. It's just too much. We can't, you know, we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know how we're going to afford it. We don't know how we're going to take time off work to do it. We don't know any of these things. And I think their family was probably like, we're going to make it work. Like, let's just make it work. We'll help. And So I think having the family support was probably like huge for them. And I think, and it was, it was, yeah, it was really stressful. And so Monday morning I get a call from my case manager and she sounded way too cheery. Like when I answered the phone, so I was like, if she's going to tell me that I, that we're terminating this pregnancy, I'm going to need to talk to her about tone of voice. (laughs) So luckily she's like, let's have a baby. (laughs) And I just burst into tears. It was just like the most relief I've ever felt. Um, and, but then it was, it was a really stressful last like four months of pregnancy. Um, because I had to go to fetal echoes. I had to go to extra ultrasounds. I, I mean, I had to meet specialists. I had, I, it was so much and not being the parent and then having to communicate everything to the dads. And it was just like, it was overwhelming. And like, I knew I, I knew I needed to do it and I was going to get it done, but yeah, it was very stressful. And, um, also like with these heart defects, you can only know so much before the baby is born. So there was so much unknown. Like the doctors couldn't tell us like exactly what it would be like when she was born. They couldn't tell us when she would need surgery. They could, there was just so many unknown factors that I'm sure the dads were just losing their minds, like not knowing anything. And, um, so yeah, that was pretty stressful, but, um, the dads came over when I was about 37 weeks. Oh, baby was breached too, which was another oh. fun added. I know. I was like, give me a break. <laughs> and she'd been head down until like 33 weeks. And then she flipped. Of course. I was like, what are you doing? And so I was adamant. I really did not want a C-section. I was like, I have a three-year-old. I do not want to be recovering from abdominal surgery. And, um, 
so at 37 weeks, I like talked the, the OB into doing a cephalic version. Cause I was like, I tried everything. I tried acupuncture. I tried spinning babies. I tried moxibustion. I tried, I mean, everything that they say works and none of it worked for me. Um, so I finally was like, well, then I'm going to come in and you're going to do a cephalic version and you're going to try and flip this baby manually because if I don't need a, I'm not going to have a C-section if it's not absolutely necessary. Right. And so, yeah, uh, luckily she cooperated and she flipped head down and that was at 37 weeks and the dads had just gotten into town from Spain. So they came because there's a risk with the, the versions that it can spur labor and then you end up having to go for a C-section anyway. But I figured if I'm going to have to have a C-section anyway, I might as well try everything possible. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, luckily she flipped head down and she stayed head down. Cause that was another worry. I was like, well, I'm only 37 weeks. She could flip back and knowing how this pregnancy has gone, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but she stayed head down, which was thank God. And, uh, then I had to be induced for that pregnancy. Um, because my labors have to gone fast. Like my first was, you know, 40 minutes from the time my water broke. My second was five and a half hours from the time my water broke. Um, and she like needed to be in the hospital cause they weren't sure if she was even going to be able to breathe after she was born. Mm. Um, you know, they were really like, we want to make sure that everyone who needs to be here is here. Um, all the doctors, all the specialists, everybody needs to be here. And so I was like, okay, I mean, I hated the idea of induction, but I understood it. Um, this was a case that made sense. Um, but I also didn't think I was going to be induced because I was like, well, I'm not going to go over 39 weeks. <laughs> Obviously. And I was convinced like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Like I'm going to go into labor naturally before 39 weeks. I've never been pregnant that long. It won't matter, but nope, <laughs> that's not what happened. Um, I went into the hospital. I, my induction was scheduled for 39 weeks, two days and, uh, yeah, still comfy as can be in there. Um, I think I would have gone to 40 or over if I had been able to, which is so crazy. I am like an enigma because my labors have gotten longer and my gestation has gotten longer with each pregnancy. Right. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went in for the induction at 39 weeks, two days. I had a doula who was amazing. Love her. And my husband was there and the dads were there and, um, induction was not fun. Um, <laughs> They, I was like, I was three centimeters when I got there and they were like, great, this is a really good place to start induction. Like, you know, now starting from zero, I'm like, okay, cool. And, uh, so they started me on Pitocin at like hmm, nine that night. I got in there at 7 PM and then they started the Pitocin at nine and, um, yeah, I was just having contractions the whole time and they weren't horrible. They were just annoying because I had to be on the monitor. And anytime I tried to get comfortable, the baby was off the monitor. And, um, I also had GBS with all my pregnancies. So I had to have antibiotics. Um, so it was just a lot and I was just very crabby. Um, and I just remember the dads, they're so sweet. And they just kept like every 20 minutes, they'd be like, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have like needles in me everywhere. I'm like attached to this machine. I'm like, I'm like I, I'll let you know when something changes, <laughs> right. but it's cool. <laughs> they, they were trying so hard to be helpful and they had no idea. Like, you know, they'd never seen a birth before. So <laughs> they 
were just like, had no clue how things were going to go. And, um, so I was on Pitocin all night and of course couldn't sleep because like I said, anytime I tried to move, the baby was off the monitor. So I couldn't get comfortable. It was just, yeah, I was very crabby. And at 7 a.m. they switched, um, they had a, a, a shift change. So like a different OB came in named Dr. Batman. No, that's not his yeah. real name. <laughs> it was a woman. Oh, her real name. Yep. And that was literally her last name. And it was literally spelled B-A-T-M-A-N. Wow. So I felt like that was a really good omen. Sure. <laughs> I was like, cool, we have a superhero hero. It's going to be great. Um, and she checked me and I was just barely a four. Oh. And I'd been on Pitocin for uh, like, I don't know, nine to seven. So 10 hours at this point. Gosh, and I just remember so, being like, so crazy. What? Yeah. I just was like, what's the plan? Cause like, I can't be on Pitocin forever. And I knew that every minute I was on Pitocin was a minute I was closer to having a C-section. So I was like, what's, what's the plan here? Like, this isn't working for me. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, and she's like, well, I can see like, how, you know, if I, how the baby was still pretty high up too, which is the thing. She really wasn't low yet. And so she was like, I'm, you know, I'm a little unsure about trying to break your water because we don't want the cord, you don't want cord prolapse. And, um, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get that. And she's like, well, let me see when you're having your next contraction. If like, I can, if I can get the nurse to like kind of push the baby down. So her head, like if I break Mm. your water, her head will go flush and the cord won't have a time, won't have a chance to slip out. So she like checked me while I was having contractions. She's like, yeah, I think we can do it. Like, yeah. So I'm like, great, let's do it. Cause in my mind, I'm like water breaking means baby. Mm-hmm. And so she broke my water, which was weird. Cause I've never had that done. And, uh, it didn't hurt or anything. It was just like, Oh, strange. And, um, then I called my husband who had gone home. Cause I told him go home and sleep. Like somebody should be getting sleep. Nothing's happening clearly. Um, <laughs> So I called him. I was like, well, they broke my water. So like maybe come soon. He's like, okay, I'm getting breakfast. My mom was in town because she came up to help watch Oliver so that my husband could be at the birth because I was like, I really need you there. Um, And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to get breakfast with your mom and Oliver and then I'll come. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm like, it's probably going to be a while. I was like, I'd love to have this baby before 10, but I doubt that's going to happen. And then about 30 minutes later, I was like, oh no, this is like, my contractions are for real. Like these are real contractions now. So I called him back and I'm like, you should come now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got there. Um, I think he probably got there at like, well, she was born at nine 47. So I think I must've called him later. It might've been an hour after. Cause he like came in at like nine 30. Um, and I was miserable. These contractions were so horrible. Like I say they weren't any more intense than my contractions without Pitocin, but they were on top of each other. I had literally no space between them. It was like minute long contractions and like 10 seconds in between. And it was like, Oh, Oh my gosh. And I just remember thinking that this was going to last a really long time and just being like, I can't, I can't do this. So I looked at my doula. I mean, I was like screaming during contractions. I was like miserable. And I looked at her and I just said, I don't know why I'm doing this. Go get the anesthesiologist. I want an epidural. Cause I just got to this point that I was like, why am I, what am I trying to prove here? Like I have had my perfect birth. I have done it. Like this isn't about me, but I should be comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) This this is awful. (laughs) Yeah. And she looked at me and she knew 
I didn't really want one. So he's kind of like, are you sure? Like we can try to, I'm like, go get him now. Like, don't question me. <laughs> and so she's like, okay. So she goes and gets the nurse. The nurse comes in and the nurse is like, they all knew I didn't really want pain meds either. So even the nurses, they were awesome. Cause they weren't like, okay, let's get that epidural. They, they were even like, are you sure? Like you've yeah. gone so far without it. Like, do you really want to do it? And she's like, the nurse said, okay, I'm going to need to check your dilation. Um, or no, she said, you're going to need to go to the bathroom before they, they place the, the epidural. So why don't we get up and have you go pee? And I'm like, oh, cause I knew I was going to have a horrible contraction on the toilet. So I was like, I don't want to, but she's like, they're going to make you do it. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I go pee, of course, have a horrible contraction, get back on the bed. And she's like, you know what? Just, I'm going to check you because I, and I go, why? If is there a certain point where they're not going to do it for me? Like what, like what's why, why do you need to check me again? And she's like, because I think you might be there. Oh. Like you're acting like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. And I'm like, fine. And in my brain, she was going to tell me I was like a six or a seven and I was like going to kick her in the face. So I was like, no, I was a 10. Yeah, of course. So she was like, yes, it's time. And right after she checked me, Zach walked in. Oh, and I'm like, I'm at a 10. I'm like crying. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, Crazy. You just called me. <laughs> I was like, I know. And so then Dr. Batman came in and it was three minutes of pushing and baby was out. She's very nice. Yes. And she is eight pounds, four ounces. Oh, she's and a she good came little chunker too. And screaming her head off so she could breathe. She actually did really, really well. She was so strong and she didn't even need oxygen, which is like wow. super rare for her heart defect. And, um, they, they told us originally they wouldn't even be able to do the surgery probably till about five days old. Cause she needed to be like strong enough, mm-hmm. but she got, they, she did it at two days Oh wow! because she was so strong. And then they had originally told us that she was going to be in the NICU and the PICU for like four to six weeks. She was there for eight days. Oh my word. What a and then it was bruiser. Discharged. Yeah, she is. Oh my goodness. Awesome. And so, yeah, she was there for eight days, was discharged. I pumped breast milk for the whole time she was here. Um, yeah. How long they, did they stay? So they had to stay for seven weeks because they had to wait to be cleared to fly home. Right. So, so they had an air, they had like a rented an Airbnb close to the hospital. And, um, yeah, I mean, they had to take two over two months away from their family and home and jobs and support systems to be here. So, I mean, they're, yeah, the real MVPs cause that is hard and to see your child having like open heart surgery in Ugh. another country. Like I can't even imagine like what no. was going on in their brains. Um, so yeah, I pumped, they originally weren't sure if they wanted breast milk because they knew once they went back home to Spain that she was going to be on formula. So they were kind of like, and they're, I mean, they're two guys. They were kind of like, Oh, like, I, I don't know. Like they didn't mm-hmm. get it. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's like really important. And I'm going <laughs> to pump anyway. So like she right. might as well be getting it because somebody's going to get it. And it was actually the nurses in the NICU they had mentioned to her cause they had asked the nurses had asked like, okay, are we doing donor milk or what, you know, what's the plan? And they were like, Oh, 
oh, well, you know, our surrogate said she would pump, but, you know, we don't know if we need, you know, we don't want her to have to do that. And the nurse was like, uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. She was like, if any baby needs breast milk, it's a NICU baby. So a hundred percent, if she is willing to do it, you will take it. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, yeah, I pumped for the, the whole time. I pumped actually longer than the whole time she was here. And I have like a crazy oversupply and have with all my pregnancies. So I was able to donate. I, she was completely, um, breast milk fed when she was here. So she got everything she needed. And then I was able to donate about 3000 ounces on top of that. Whoa. To that's amazing. Other families just like random. I just like found friends of friends and acquaintances mm-hmm. and so much. So there's the big need for breast milk. So it was really easy for me to find people who needed it. And I just donated it because I was going to do it anyway. And I was like, I don't, I don't want, I, there's nothing wrong with people who, who get paid for their breast milk. That is totally a decision that that's fine. But for me, I was like, I just want babies to eat. So that's yeah. all I'm going to care about. Ugh. And yeah, we had to buy a chest freezer cause I had so much milk that we didn't have room in our regular freezer for it. Um, awesome. yeah. And she's well, doing amazing now. She's almost God. one and she hasn't had to have any more surgeries yet and she may need some more as she gets older and her heart grows, but currently she's doing great. That's amazing. And so do you, you stay in touch with them as well? Yeah, we still, we text a lot and we text pictures and we're hoping to go visit them, not this coming summer, but summer 2020. Um, so it will be like uh, her second birthday. Um, so that's our plan if we can make it over there. That is so neat. What was your postpartum recovery like with this birth? It was like really easy, actually. Like, um, I did tear with her. I think it was just like a first degree tear though. Cause I only needed a couple stitches. It wasn't horrible. And, um, yeah, it honestly, like my, my mood was great. I had no dips in mood and, I think I was just, I was so happy when she was born that like my part of taking care of her was done. Right. (laughs) I was so stressed like during the pregnancy of just making sure she was like as healthy as she could be and like doing as much as I could do to make sure of that, that like people ask like, how did you feel like once she was born and you didn't have a baby? And I was like, well, first of all, I know I don't want another baby. So there was no (laughs) like, Oh, I want that. I was like, Nope. And I was just like, so happy that I finally got to like help them have their baby. Like they have been trying to have this baby for years and years. And like, she was finally there. And like, I remember when she came out, everybody in the room was crying. Like the nurses, the doctor, like, my doula said literally everybody was crying oh. and the dads were there and my husband was there and they were, I mean, I think they just were so overwhelmed when she was born. They had, they were just like, Oh my God, like they'd never seen a birth before. So they were like, wow, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. And then their baby was here and she came out and they like, the doctors kind of put her like on me. And I just remember looking around and being like, where are they? Where are they? Come get your baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> And they were so just like deer in the headlights. Like they were standing behind me and they just came over and they, it was so sweet. Everybody's crying and they give my husband a hug and they're like, thank you so much. And it was so sweet. And then they came over and I handed her to them and they just, oh my gosh, I just, that look, I was like, 
that's the look I had. Like, yeah. So it was really amazing to be able to see that. And, um, yeah, I just, I was like, I know that feeling like you're finally with your kid and didn't have any kind of feelings of like sadness that I didn't have a baby. I just felt so accomplished that like she was so healthy. I felt mm. like I did really good. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so incredible. Yeah. Oh, gosh, Sydney, I, I just can't get over you. <laughs> like <laughs> that's you've, you've made such incredible decisions. Like the, the way that you chose to carry your first, the, the way that you've cared for your son, the way that you were willing to sacrifice self and body to take care of this other baby. It's just unbelievable. And what a selfless love that you, you have shared with so many people. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. And like, I tell people all the time, I would have a million more babies for other people. I mm. love, I, I love, and it's not just selfless though, because I get so much out of it. Sure. I, the pregnancy, I love being pregnant. I feel my most confident and like, I just love that feeling. And then birth, like I just, yeah, feel like so powerful mm. and then I get to see those faces of people when they get to have their kids. And it's just like that moment, like makes anything that I had to go through to that point worth it. And I just loved, I love that I've like experienced motherhood from, from such different angles. And yes. I think it just makes me a better mom. Like I truly think that my first Nothing in my life would have happened if I hadn't had my first child. Um, I mean, I never would have moved to Memphis and met my husband. I never would have had my son. I never would have known the love of being a mom so that I never would have wanted to give that to somebody who couldn't have it. So, right. I mean, it's it's so crazy when you think just like one thing in your life, like, sets you on such a different path. And if you'd made one different choice. Like, you wouldn't be where you are. Yeah. And all of those other people wouldn't be where they are. Yeah. And that's so incredible, it's cool. too. I love it. And, um, oh. I, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Pregnancy yeah. and birth and motherhood and parenthood and all forms is like. Right. And wonderful. the community that you've created. That's so incredible. I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing all of this with my listeners with me, you've had me in tears a number of times. <laughs> so <laughs> I, too. I know I was like, I'm not going to cry. And I cry all the time. So I don't know why I would even think that. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> well, this was su such a beautiful story and so many beautiful experiences that you shared. Thank you so much once again for coming on the podcast, Sydney. Thank you. It was really like great to be able to talk about it in its entirety. <laughs> <laughs>